Welcome to the DGR podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the DGR podcast. This is episode number 62. I'm actually sitting in a recording studio in Sydney. Uh, I'm with one of my first teachers, Soshi Porchetta. I hope I said that right, a.k.a. Puma. And we're going to chat. Are we just finished chatted? I'm chatting. I'm recording this intro a little bit afterwards. Uh, Soshi has been a massive influence on me movement-wise. She studied uh, with Ido Portal for a while, who obviously was a massive influence on me as well. Fighting Monkey, she's had several several other te- other teachers and um, influences over the years, so we chat a lot about that and just her journey and my journey as well, to be honest, because she was such a big part of my journey. So I think you're really going to enjoy the episode. And uh, obviously, if you do, please give it a share for us. But without further ado, here we go. Uh, so, Soshi, Puma, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, you nervous? A little bit, yeah. 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 Me too. It's a bit weird. <laughs> Just the in-person is always like, there's an art to podcasting, which I'm not good at. So, it's like, I think, I don't know, the podcaster, the host is always trying to make the guests feel um, comfortable. Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. otherwise, you're not going to get anything good. Yeah. I think, I think it will just get better and better. Yeah. <laughs> um, you dro- just drove up from Canberra? Yeah, yeah. And you're coming to the workshop? Yeah, that's why I came. Yeah. <laughs> um, looking forward to it? No, not at all. <laughs> you kind of forced me. No, I'm kidding. Of course I am. I'm very excited. Um, yeah. What do you, is there anything in particular you want to learn? Because be I didn't honest? expect you, I didn't expect to see you coming. Really? Yeah. Not not like I didn't expect. I just didn't. I just didn't think about it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. I wouldn't say like there's one piece of content or body part. Uh, uh, there is actually a body part. I'll, I'll probably tell you about it in the workshop. Mm-hmm. But um. Your, right. one of your body parts. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but to be honest, I'm really an in-person learner mm-hmm. and the apprentice type. Mm-hmm. So like in-person, small groups, deep immersion is how I operate yeah. really well. Yeah. And I did your lower body basics one, yeah. um, and it was helpful, but I really, there's like a big, almost not like a filter when I do things online, mm-hmm. especially when they're not live. Yeah. So even when I attend um, Joseph Fighting Monkeys classes, if I'm doing the live session on mm-hmm. Zoom, it's a totally different feeling to yeah. doing the recording after. Yeah, and 100%. Make, yeah, yeah, so it's so interesting. Yeah. So I want that, like, yeah. you know, um, more intimate, more in-depth mm-hmm. kinesthetic experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm really... Uh, honestly, I'm really happy for you and so proud of you to have like developed and evolved uh, so nicely on your own journey. Mm-hmm. Like we're kind of starting back at the beginning meeting yeah. in Sydney, yeah. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, really special, serendipitous, mm-hmm. I feel. Mm-hmm. So I'm... I think you were the first person... I know you were the first person, so it was in my head for a while, but you were the first person to actually say to me, I think you would be good at, like, the rehab side of things. Oh, really? Yep. 
are oh, really I didn't saying even that remember to me. That. Yeah, yeah, oh, I don't, that I didn't, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, you did yeah. say that to me, and it was probably because I was never going to be like the best athlete or anything like that. But no, that's you know, not why. No, but part, <laughs> part of it, it's not like you were saying like you're going to be famous for hand balancing, like you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like it's it was, but yeah, you were. The first, I think you were the first person to say that to me. I, yeah, I think it was always like written, you mm-hmm. know, if you could say there's such a thing, mm-hmm. um, like almost predestined. And I think that's why you were, you know, in inverted commas, blessed with so many injuries mm-hmm. that incapacitated you in many ways. So that was like, you, I don't know, you were, you were maybe the best student I ever had. <laughs> and <laughs> yes, and uh, you know that I don't say that mm-hmm. <laughs> easily. In fact, most students would probably furious he- uh, be furious hearing that because <laughs> Puma never gives compliments. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just really, I see that, you know, even though I haven't done in-person stuff with you and learning from you, which is a nice, you know, mm-hmm. the other way. I, I love being mm-hmm. a student. And I still want to learn like the fighting monkey stuff or whatever you're doing now so yeah. it's not like it ever is one way or the other I don't yeah think. it's just yeah. like a like a yeah. like an ocean of exchanges which yeah. is awesome yeah which is good yeah um so yeah I'm really kind of keen to see what you've created um mm-hmm. because my perception of your material is that you've brought together um fundamental elements that are needed but not really used appropriately or they haven't found a place mm-hmm. in um, in the therapy world, in the fitness world, or in the movement world. Mm-hmm. So those are very uh, valuable tools that, you know, I feel like I, I and my family and my students can benefit from. Mm-hmm. But I really want to see, like, what did David make, you know? I mm-hmm. really want to <laughs> experience that. And it's very exciting. So I don't really mind what it is mm-hmm. you do. But I know that you found um, your calling. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to, like, mm-hmm. get a, a flavor of that. I think if I was to analyze, like, the, or if, if I was to preempt your analysis of the workshop this weekend, right, it would be or part of the analysis or what would be missing would be the movement expression side of things, uh-huh. which is like the stuff that I see. I saw your, po- your recent post from like last week or something I commented on where you, it was just like a flowing type of movement. Mm. And mm. I don't, you'll see that when we get to the plyometric section, there's, there is stuff like that and I'm trying to break things down. And it is rehabby from the start. So we're like protective of a joint and then we try and express our movement as we go through it yeah but there's still probably i think in a year or two years time there'll be uh slightly uh, or there'll be more movement expression like more towards the direction that you've gone yeah. and i'll try and just be tr- hopefully get better at w- uh, get better at bringing that in earlier rather than being rather than a little bit later and if yeah. you typically look at rehab it's like so isolated dry it's right <laughs> people are it's so boring yeah so like trying to that's why i want to learn more from you like to bring in that more just fluidity and flow mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the thing yes like someone's knee is sore but that robs them of all movement in all their joints a lot of the time because yeah. they just brace it or they stop moving it yeah and i think that flow and the fluidity is really important so even for their brain, for their heart, for their all their tissues, the the hydration of everything. Yes. So uh, yeah, I need to. I know. I know. I I'm already thinking that, but I know that I need to find ways to bring that more in. So I think that's where you're doing a great job. Ah, thank you. 
Uh, where did the name Puma come from? <laughs> I, it actually, I named myself Puma when I was 16. Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, when I was growing up, I just had this funny habit of calling my closest friends certain animals. And mm -hmm. they all kind of were happy with it, too. Mm -hmm. It's not like I forced them, <laughs> most of them. And and then I realized that I didn't have one and no one had given me one. Yeah. So for a few weeks, I was just kind of looking around through books and the Internet and thinking, like, what animal would I be? And then it just I was like, oh, Puma, that's it. Like, mm -hmm. You know, and, and Puma is less kind of glamorous and sexy than a panther or less majestic than like a lion or a tiger but it's also very raw and powerful and like Dangerous. on its own <laughs> yes yeah, stealthy it's very quiet mm -hmm. it's um and i recently learned that they're not solitary animals they're like they live in families so okay. they're a little bit like lions mm -hmm. um and i feel like a bit of both mm -hmm. uh, community super important but i also like mm -hmm. that you know independence and space are mm -hmm. crucial do you remember the nickname you gave me of course. What? You want me to share it with the yeah, world? Go for it. You were the fawn. No. The little or no, <laughs> no, the young fawn. Young yeah. fawn. Young fawn. Yeah. I suppose you can be adult deer, I guess stag. No, I'm deer. definitely not. I'm st I haven't graduated. Like yet. Young stag. Yeah. Like I tried I got that I got that for like a day and then I was relegated back to mm, young fawn happens, again. Yes. I think that was because my when I was like kicking up into handstand, my legs were just going everywhere. Um, so when we met you, I think you had just got to Sydney, like we got to Sydney around roughly around the same time. Maybe you got there a little bit before us and you had just moved from where? Hong Kong. And you had gone through like a period of studying with Edo at that stage. Yeah. yeah? Uh, can you tell, talk to me about that or tell us about that? Like yeah. how that was, how that influenced you, what you learned, stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And how did you even get into that? <laughs> it was... Uh, meant to be. Uh, it was pretty serendipitous. So I was, uh, when I met Ido in Hong Kong, that's where I met him. Um, I was still... At a workshop? Yeah, yeah, I went to a Movement X, so a weekend event. A colleague uh, really strongly convinced me to go because when I saw the price and mm -hmm. I was I was um, still a professional Muay Thai fighter and as a personal trainer and I'd never seen... A workshop that expensive before um, and what I saw online I didn't it wasn't actually that appealing to me but I really trusted my colleague so I went with them and uh, I was blown away it really everything he said um, resonated not in a way that it was brand new but that I was like this is missing in the worlds that I'm in mm -hmm. you know and finally someone is mm -hmm. like um, not just like preaching them or, or teaching them, but living it. Mm -hmm. So a uh, spark lit in me. Mm -hmm. And I was still at um, at an age, I was in my like early to mid twenties. So I had this like crazy burning fire and energy and I would be really extremely passionate to the point of obsession with whatever I did. Yeah. Um, but it had to be high energy, so I wouldn't just do something that was, I wouldn't have done something like Qigong then at yeah. all. It had to be really fiery. Yeah. And and he had that as yeah. well. So um, I did the workshop. 
he left and I was quite shy as well. So I didn't, you know, I thought, well, he will never remember, you know, one of the many participants. Mm. Um, but things were already changing within me from my own life. And then the workshop, like, brought more inspiration. So mm. I quit my job at this global gym and... Um, I knew I was going to keep fighting professionally, but I wasn't sure with my work what yeah. I was going to do. So I became CrossFit certified, but I was like, mm, I don't think that's it, but it's mm -hmm. better than what I was doing before. And during this time, I went to the salad bar. I often went to get lunch and Ido was there. Ah. So I was like, oh, well, Puma, you have nothing to lose. You may be like shaking in fear, but just go and ask him. So I went and asked him. I said, Ido, I don't know if you remember me, but I want to join your team. <laughs> and he was, he did remember me and he was very friendly. Um, but you, I could tell he was also very surprised. Like, who's this little girl yeah. coming saying, I want to join your team? I was like, well, he's going to say no anyway. So who cares? Mm -hmm. And he said, I do remember you. And yes, you had some special qualities. So, um, I'll give you a chance. And I was like, what? I was like, that's it, I'm in. Like, if he gives me a chance, there's no way I'm not going to yeah. be in. Um, and he said, and I can just tell you that you'll never succeed. Um, no one, everyone asks, but no one passes the tests. And I was like, he has no idea who he's <laughs> dealing with. Of course I'm going to. Like, I was like, oh, okay, whatever you say, I will, you know, do that. And I was very lucky at the time, he had um, Odelia and Johnny, who are some of his closest, yeah. oldest uh, disciples and, and teachers. Yeah. They were staying in Hong Kong for three months. So I had, uh, we were doing group classes, and I just trained full time mostly with Odelia, who was a very excellent, nurturing teacher. Mm -hmm. And in three months, the things I achieved, like uh, not just other people couldn't believe, but I was shocked at how much happened in that short time. I did train many hours every single day. Yeah. But um yeah, progressed so that fast. yeah, I progressed fast. I was lucky as young, very athletic, like mm -hmm. a high level athlete and not with injuries. Mm -hmm. So with like an able body and the mindset I had, I think it was just meant to be. Like yeah. uh and and then they left. They had to leave Hong Kong and I thought, oh is that it? Like that's it. My chance is gone. But um I had passed the test, mm -hmm. so to speak. And um, for the next three, four years, so I was with them for around five years, I was traveling to Europe or Israel to meet and train with them. And then when um, Ido would do an event in Southeast Asia, usually Thailand or Singapore, he would bring me as an assistant. assistant and yeah. And I really, it was like exactly what I wanted. It was very hard and there were things that, some things didn't sit right with me, but that only became apparent way later mm -hmm. as I matured in my human age and mm -hmm. training age. Mm -hmm. But um, it was really, it changed my life. I was able to provide really impressive transformation for the students because the method's very effective. Yeah. And um, what I really liked about it was that people who may have like a low self-esteem or confidence or feel incapable suddenly had like this sense of empowerment mm -hmm. and, and confidence and felt good, uh, not just about their body, but 
their ability to engage in the world and that's what I really liked Um, but with that because as a teacher myself I didn't I celebrated that but I became pretty arrogant and I saw that starting to be passed on so a lot of the qualities positive and negative were all being Mm -hmm. passed down the line and um, you get influenced by the people you're hanging around with though absolutely in both ways yes in every part of your life you're going to start to soak up bits of people. And I think I had the same experience with Ido, even though it was just uh, probably a YouTube video or something that I Uh watched first. He's so charismatic. Yes. And so infectious. And he... It's, and some people will, will say this could be a, viewed as a negative or a positive, but, like, he has a way of, like, sucking you in and glamorizing things maybe over overly glamorizing it sometimes now that I look back but um the way he speaks about things is very powerful I would say and I was watching I was watching just some YouTube videos and like within a few within an hour of watching him I'm just convinced (laughs) like he has the every answer to every single thing in history you know it's that kind of way I went to a workshop um my experience at the workshop was so I would like I was like very injured and stuff. I was trying to fix myself as best I could. I was still like playing sport to a pretty high level, but my body was just a complete mess. And I went to a workshop in Amsterdam, flew over there. I wasn't a trainer, wasn't a coach, paid. I think it was like eleven or twelve hundred euro at the time. <laughs> yeah, so I flew over and went to a workshop, and he wasn't there, uh, which was disappointing. But Johnny was teaching it, and. Uh, Joseph. Joseph, yeah, yeah. So they're two brilliant like coaches, yeah. but they're not Edo, right? Yeah. So uh, worked on whatever first day. I was probably one of the worst people there in terms <laughs> of like I was strong physically. Like I, if I just got into a wrestling match or something, I would have been fine with people. And I could learn, but my body was just like just my structure was getting in the way. I woke up in the Airbnb in um, Amsterdam at about three a.m. that night in the most searing pain. So I hadn't injured myself <laughs> or anything, but my shoulder, I think my shoulder, which I never had a problem with, <laughs> and it was just like the most searing pain. And I sat up in the bed for about an hour because I, cu- I just could not do anything. And I fell asleep sitting up, woke up the ah. next morning and <laughs> the pain was gone. So it wasn't there when I went to sleep. It was yeah. there for about an hour. The, the, I, I thought like, I'm not going to be able to go to this workshop the next day. Yeah. Woke up, but I was fine and it just went again. So uh, there was definitely some arrogant people at the workshop. <laughs> and actually, funnily enough, two of them were like Irish guys who were okay. a little bit more down the road. They had done maybe a year of it and okay. they were so arrogant because <laughs> one of them could do a handstand already, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah. What what uh, so in them few months when you're training with them, like what's a what does a training day look like, ish? Hmm. Mm, I was still working at the time, yeah. uh, but I had really reduced my hours to the minimal just to be able to pay rent. And mm-hmm. and the students they were used to me making very crazy decisions, and and I communicated always very like, uh, like opening my heart to them. So from fighting, they were used to this. So, yeah. um. Besides teaching, you know, a few hours each day, um, we would meet in the morning and we do they would be combined like programs in different ways that would change over weeks and months. But, for example, we would maybe do like um, handstands and mobility and legs. And then that would be for a few hours and you would have um, 
maybe some more open movement-y stuff and then all like the locomotion joints. type of stuff yeah locomotion back then there wasn't too as much playing mm-hmm. um it's yeah. very structured though very oh yeah yeah super structured every set every rep yeah and, like, attacking with every body part that type of absolutely so mm-hmm. like polycon type uh yeah. programming yeah for the strength and even hand balancing and mobility, you know, you'd have like A1, A2, A3, yeah. B1, B2 with tempo mm-hmm. and rest and um, working sets and back off sets and mm-hmm. deload weeks. And um, so all the calisthenics type stuff was programmed in that way. Mm-hmm. And so we do, I don't know, maybe three hours in the morning and then go off and then meet again in the afternoon or evening and do another three hours of another chunk, maybe like uh, bent arm and locomotion or mm-hmm. they were doing also, they always had the soft acrobatics. So like the, um, the locomotion is largely devi- derived from capoeira. So yeah. you'll see a lot of those movements, whether it's crawling or acrobatics. QDRs, just a transition between different positions and little characters yeah, and, and stuff. And often made even just like isometric rather than, mm-hmm. because in capoeira it's a flow. Yeah. But um, we kind of, at the time we were encouraged to just try and perfect everything Each in its position. own element. Mm-hmm. And then link them mm-hmm. together. Um, so one factor that after a few years of um, training in this way, I really, uh, I had stopped fighting. There was no way I could do both at the same time. Both required immense amounts of time and energy. Yeah. So I missed uh, improvising or creating yeah. or acting spontaneously. Um, but we would integrate. So we do, you know, isolation, integration. And the final step, which was this almost like movement enlightenment phase, was improvisation. Mm -hmm. But uh, after four or five years, I realized that I never could improvise. And it got even, um, the inhibitions got even worse because you can never achieve perfection. So until the isolated parts were perfect, you... Yeah. You couldn't move on. So, yeah, that was like I was kind of starving for that. Yeah. And um, eventually, at the next stage of my movement development, um, I decided to ignore uh, the quality of things, which was extremely, it was excruciating to my ego because I had become identified. I was, you know, I, oh, she does handstands really beautifully and she mm-hmm. does all of this. And suddenly I was like, I, it's better if I do it at a really horrific quality in small amounts, but it's coming from me mm-hmm. and it's um, flowing through me, sorry, not coming from me and seeing like, how can I be a creative person? You know, who am I? How do I want to express myself? I mm-hmm. didn't know that. I became crippled by... Um, obsessing over my imperfections yeah. or perceived imperfections that I was unable to let go. Yeah. And um, so that was, I guess, you know, like all the pros and cons. Yeah. And that was something I started to really crave. Yeah. Yeah. I think the criticism of some of Edo's methods, and I don't, I don't mean this in a bad way, is mm. just as I look back now, like he, he I think the, the positive is he, he will say that He's taken the best of everything 
and so like the best parts of capoeira are the best parts of calisthenics the best mm-hmm. parts of strength training blah 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 and then we can like we can take them parts and train them and be amazing at them and suddenly i'm this all-round mover but actually like i just went to for example a jiu-jitsu class this morning and it's just it's i can imagine someone taking some of the best parts of that yeah but actually you lose the like transitions between everything and the essence essence of it yeah Yeah, exactly you lose what it is and you become a little bit more robotic and you can definitely do amazing things the way he he has done it and he has a lot of students yeah Yeah, that can show that 100 percent um but it's not the only way to go about it i don't think and it is interesting like he he is so smart because if you look at the, I don't know if you've seen any of the knees over toes guys stuff now. The guy who's like famous on Instagram. No. Uh, bulletproofing <laughs> everyone's knees and okay. he's doing all, basically all Poliquin stuff uh, with like really good marketing on top. And yeah. uh, like, you, what year were you training there with Ido? Uh, when um, you first met in Hong Kong? I think 2012. Yeah. I th- and like December 2012 was when I started with Odelia, yeah. I think. So that's 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. And you would have been doing, like, I can guess that you would have been doing, like, front foot elevated split squats to, into the deepest range. Or just split squats yeah. into the deepest Sissy range. Squats. Sissy squats. Like, that's, if you go on that Instagram now, he has probably a million and a half followers. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now, he, he's not necessarily, he does credit Poliquin, but it's almost like this is this amazing thing that we've just discovered. And it's just okay. been recycled <laughs> again and again and again. And like, Ido, I think on the on the lower body strength training, like he got a lot of things right. Actually on every, pretty yeah, much everything yeah, yeah. got a lot of things right. Just for me, maybe missed some of that expression of movement that wasn't structured. Wasn't yeah. structured. Yeah, I totally agree. And he did a lot of good for the whole world, at least that may be exposed even to a YouTube clip or a blog mm-hmm. because you know, bringing back squat as a resting position, mm-hmm. some hanging, um, allowing this, encouraging the spine to move rather than only be rigid, rigid yeah. or neutral or whatever um, is prescribed often. And a uh, lot of good stuff that was um, simple and free and accessible yeah. to the wider population. So that was, it, it changed people's thinking. Yeah. And um, although he's not... Uh, the first person to do this or or doing something completely unique, his charisma, his whole... Mm-hmm. He um, brought it to the masses in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, movement facilities would not exist. Yeah. Every city, every major city in the world has movement facilities yeah. now, and that's thanks to him. Yeah, even if sure. they hate him. It, whether, yeah. well, no matter what they think about him. Yeah. 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 yeah, 100%. Exactly. I wouldn't have met you if it wasn't for Ido. I wouldn't have been aware of that style of training yeah. whatsoever. And even if I don't do that style of training now, I still passed through it, learned a lot and brought me to help me bring me helped bring me to wherever I am now. And it's yeah. the same with you in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I have much to to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. And I hold um, a lot of very fond memories, both for what it did for my practices, uh, my career uh, but also on a personal level, mm-hmm. um, we were very close for a few years. Mm-hmm. So that, that that's like I've got a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't mean that as I changed it with my own life, personal life evolution, that I 
uh, miss any aspect of that yeah. or or even agree with a lot of the yeah. the principles actually of what mm-hmm. was shared mm-hmm. yeah so then you moved to sydney i remember coming across you i was looking for like probably typing into google like edo portal sydney yeah. this type of thing and you were training in Waverley Park. Yes. And you had a little group there. And I remember I came across you. I just got my appendix out uh, mm. a few days earlier. And you, I messaged you saying, can I come? And um, you were asking me, like, whatever, like, just asking me a few random questions. I said, I just got surgery. And you said, you said like, do not come. <laughs> <laughs> I think I showed up anyway. And I was probably, like, nine stone at that stage. Like, really, really skinny. And um, I loved it. <laughs> I loved it. So fun. We're doing like uh, lots of hand hand balancing work, uh, lots of calisthenics, lots of like kind of locomotion, ground based stuff, active mobility. Is that what he, is that what? Yeah, yeah. Ac- uh, loaded progressive stretches. Loaded progressive and stretches. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So like active the ones are like active pigeon. The good morning. I still uh, have um. It's probably on a very old post on Instagram. Your first muscle up. Oh, my first muscle in, up, in yeah. Park, yeah. yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> um, the I actually did get decent at hand balancing, in, in, or handstand, I should say. Yeah. But I suffered so bad trying yeah, to get... I remember. So bad. I couldn't progress. Because the, the standard was against the wall, <laughs> uh, facing the wall, nose to wall, yeah. five sets of 60-second handstand <laughs> before you're allowed to come out into the middle and, and try and balance. Or, yeah, you could do like a little kind of toe pulls or whatever. Oh, yeah. But like you only allowed me to do that stuff because I was purist then. I was still a purist. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, I did. I wasn't allowed technically to progress. (laughs) I I was just like, I'm dying. I am sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But that was the standard. And other people would come up and in the first session they'd hit it. And I was dying. (laughs) I remember one guy, like short guy, like. But it, I, I just I just look back now and I see like they're structurally their like alignment is so important for those type of things. And I don't yes. mean your line as in your handstand line, but your, I think your alignment. And if you f- like if you go upside down like that or if you flip someone up and just get them to do a standing meditation like in yeah. Dewa starts or yes. something like that, you cannot relax if your alignment is all over the place. Absolutely. That's why after 20 or 30 years of doing those standing practices, standing re- relaxation, they have the best alignment. They look like it's they're just stacked. The yeah. muscle is just hanging off their bones. Yes. And I was just trying to hold myself up with just muscle. Yeah. And I, I thinking about it now, like I had such poor overhead mobility and like if you most most scaly footballers or hurlers would 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 present in the same in the same way. It's just that I had a lot of injuries so that like obviously compounded into a lot more tightness and guarding in my mm. body. So I had such poor overhead mobility and a great way to compensate from that for that is more extension through your lumbar spine in particular. But we had to be so strict with our line <laughs> so you're not allowed to have that happen. So I was like sucking in, engaging my core as much as possible. And I couldn't breathe up there. I was just yeah. like bracing yeah. so hard. Yeah. And that was, I just could not progress. Yeah. I think I could still be doing that and I wouldn't hit five sets of 60 seconds. Yeah. I imagine that this probably, anyone who's working with a uh, general population or, or not talent, you know, like just ta- talent is almost not worth much, I, in my opinion. Rarely mm-hmm. um, is, is, skill is different to talent, mm-hmm. right? Um so I think, yeah, this will not really work for the majority of the adult 
population, which is who it's for. It's mm-hmm. not really for children. Um, so I imagine that all over the world, anyone teaching it will not um, be able to sustain that type, that format. Yeah. Uh, because people will either get broken or or they will leave because if they're five years doing the same drill, but their dream was to experience a few seconds of magic on their <laughs> hands, why would they stick around? And they're not training for the Olympics or a title belt. They're just... Yeah, it needs to be fun. Work. Yeah, like there needs to be some joy and yeah. some, yeah. Uh, you know, even if it's a little bit. So yeah. I don't think that that format can sustain unless you yeah. only have you know, late teens to late 20s yeah. of relatively healthy mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I got my, I did get my 60-second handstand while I was in Sydney. And I, re- I regret this so much because it was on Christmas morning, um, uh, one of the mornings in uh, by the bars at Bondi Beach. So Christmas morning. And it was actually like between where the bars are and the beach are. So there's an area there okay, and yeah. you could, where everyone's walking. Like the and I just kicked up and I was getting like 15, 20 seconds. So I kicked up and I was recording it. So I, I put my phone down and I pressed record and got my, I didn't know if I had got 60 seconds or not. Stayed up for as long as I could. Came down and watched the recording. And I was up there. My line looked perfect somehow, right? <laughs> um and uh, a, a, tr- a van was driving. So the van drive, drove oh. between my phone and me. And so for about 15 seconds, you couldn't see me. And then when the van went, like I was still there. So m- that was my mindset at the time. Guess what I did? I deleted the video because I thought like, oh, the van is in the way. So you can't see the whole 60 seconds. Yeah. And now I know with social media that like that was the perfect <laughs> video because it would have built suspense is like, is he yeah, still up yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. So I wish I had that video. So yeah. that was my, my Christmas morning in Bondi Beach. Christmas best present. Stand. Yeah. And I deleted it. So, so <laughs> stupid because it wasn't the full perfect 60 seconds that you could see. But then when I went home to Tony, my brother has a gymnastics, gymnastics club. I was teaching handstand classes. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it wasn't like I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to a one arm handstand. Yeah. It was just like you wanna come and learn how to balance for a while. And uh yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I fell out of love with it then. I just stopped getting just wasn't interested in hand balancing anymore. Yeah, I I had the same similar experience. Um it just got I was chasing my one arm, I could stay um on one arm with one finger poking on and off the floor. That, yeah. But to get to the next phase, to take that finger that's poking off would mean more volume. And for someone that was not in love from the handstand from day one mm-hmm. to to get there, I, I just asked myself, I was like, why am I doing this and do I want it? And I said, actually, I couldn't care less if I can yeah. stay on one arm or not. Yeah. So why would I put more into this? Um, and funny enough, a similar story to yours, uh, the one time I did hold a one arm for like six or seven seconds was when my, oh, you met my papa. My dad mm-hmm. came to visit. You were bullying him, I remember. No, yeah. the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, we were walking around, I think, um, maybe Kuji, mm-hmm. like on the rocks up by the beach. And we were taking photos. He's a photographer. And I was like, oh, dad, just take a picture of me. And he's like, do a one arm. I was like, oh, I don't have a one arm. He's <laughs> like, well, just just do your finger thing. 
and I went up and because I had like no warm up, no expectations, we were having fun. I just let go of the arm. I was like, well, let's see when I fall. And I just didn't. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh. and it just showed me that, that, um, you know, all the effort in the world, if there's not like a surrender yeah. and a, a feeling of, joy yeah. that it's not gonna yeah. get you very far it's just a block <laughs> yeah you can't get past the block yeah yeah 100 yeah. yeah. <laughs> i've seen that with like people's seen that with mine and others like mobility practice like i wanted to be so i wanted to be more mobile than i was but to me mobile meant like okay you can either do the splits or not not yeah. like oh i can get like loads more movement from all these joints in a nice way and share the load across the system. Mm. It was just like, oh, splits, it means you're mobile. Or a big, uh, a really nice uh, bridge position means you're mobile. And the more I fought into those positions, the worse my, my body just rejected it. Yeah. It's just like, no, we, you're not going there. And now I don't use that stuff to make people more mobile. I just yeah. let them explore their body, find their end range, come in and out of it. I find it works just way better. Yeah. Coordinate the breathing and just it will work for people. It will work for some people, but for others who are actually the people who you need it to work for, who are <laughs> really tight and their body is like just needs more mo movement. That's actually trying to just get more movement in one super specific way. A lot of yeah. the times yeah. it's like the four only four movements you need for your hips are the like the active pigeon type of one. You'll get more ER, the figure four, you'll get more IR. The yeah. From, uh, maybe a good morning and whatever else. So like you, you're, 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 it's as if your hips can only move four ways, like yeah. side to side, forward and back, in and out. Yeah. But actually it's all the movements from all of those positions. Yeah. So uh, that's, that's where my mind has gone. And people ask me about stretching all of the time now. Like, do you use it? I have friends that are brilliant coaches who use it a lot. And I think if you want to be like a, a, a gymnast or want to have access to those positions that's probably the best way yeah but i don't yeah. think it's the best way to feel good yeah i totally agree and i no longer use them either um and i don't tend to work with specialists that would greatly mm -hmm. benefit um i mean not that i don't but it just hasn't happened that way yeah. like i'm sure a pole dancer especially competitive or gymnast or wushu mm -hmm. person they would uh, even need those positions 100%. and ranges and it will work for them yeah, yeah absolutely but for most people and in, in my body as well because i'm i'm quite uh, i'm not hyper like very mobile but i develop mobility quite easily mm -hmm. i can get into quite very open positions with much less effort than a lot of other people yeah. and the same with strength um like <laughs> so i'm quite lucky maybe also being light and small and um having, having been a, a high training background uh, high training age yeah, yeah high training age yeah and um so that come that stuff comes to me but i've noticed that the more i did of that um from like a relatively high level athlete that didn't really have injuries. Mm -hmm. I, I had a concussion, but that's that's different. You can't really prevent, I mean, mm -hmm. if you're in certain sport. Mm -hmm. um, but I noticed that I went from being relatively mobile and strong and fit and injury-free to slightly more mobile, much stronger, 
but my joints all Way over more injured. Yeah, yeah, suddenly I was like Are not pain. injured, not injured. Injury yeah. is like, okay, I just tore this muscle. It's yeah. more like I feel a bit crap all the time. Yes, yes. And people are afraid to kind of talk about this because when they develop their mobility, it's, it's kind of a proud thing. It's like, look at my positions. And now I don't want to say, actually, I feel fucking worse than I did before I... Oh, yeah, this. how do you make a living? How do you charge people exactly. to teach that thing? <laughs> exactly. So I started to realize that and I, I went down more, much more, not with you, but with much more down the stretching world. It made me feel worse and worse. Mm. It really did. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm proud of my, I think I took it too far. Yeah. Um, especially, I think I overstretched something in my left hip. Um, I really do. I, I tried to force something really bad. And I think that like my brain locks that up area, area as much as it can now. Um, but I'm really proud of myself looking back that I stopped because I really wanted to be like good at that stuff. Yeah. And I, I, I was honest with myself. I was like, am I feeling better here or worse? And it wasn't a, it wasn't a quitting thing. It was like, this is really not not helping me. Yeah. Yeah. It's not helping me. Yeah. So I, I I stopped it. I'm happy I did. And my experience doesn't have to be everyone's experience, but Mm. I am privy enough to a lot of great coaches and therapists who went and got really mobile in those ways and they don't tell anyone else except for me because they have to tell me because they want me to help them. A lot of them feel like shit. Yeah. And yeah, I, like yeah. my whole thing getting into the that world in the first place was um, if I could move like that person, if I could access them positions, I it would be impossible for me to be injured playing sport. <laughs> that's uh, the illu- that's what's sold yeah, or presented at least. Wrong. It's yeah, it's incorrect. It's wrong. Um, I remember uh, I my first workshop in Australia with Fighting Monkey with Josef Ruchek. So I met Josef um, through Ido. Ido brought Josef to one of the movement camps in Singapore, mm-hmm. and it was funny because when I met Josef, I I thought, oh, this is my teacher. Mm-hmm. But I had just started the journey with Ido like several months ago. And um, and they're all quite like, well, at least in Edo's community, it's very tight knit, and you don't kind of yeah, you have a teacher, or, and that's it. And you yeah, and these mm-hmm. are your tribe, and and mm-hmm. you don't. It's in some martial old school martial arts schools, uh, it's a bit like that too. Like yeah. you're if you go with someone else, you're disloyal yeah. or, or however. Which again has so, its pros and cons. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had the the luxury of meeting Josef with Ido, and they were, um, you know, collaborating in this event. Mm-hmm. And I just uh, really, it just resonated because he had um, an embodied philosophy that was more deeply aligned with my values um, and my approach to life. And mm-hmm. I couldn't put a finger on what it was, but it just was a feeling. And then I had this um, intuition that said, you know, Ido is perfect for you right now. He is your teacher. Mm -hmm. And one day, a few years from now, something will present itself and you can also learn from Josef. So I had this knowing and I just let it go. So I um, didn't see Josef for years. You just locked it into the back of your mind somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like it's there and mm-hmm. whatever should happen should mm-hmm. happen. And I, I kind of forgot about it because I went really deep and mm-hmm. and like long haul with with yeah. um, the Edo Portal method. And um, when I moved to Sydney and when we met, I was still training with Edo, 
but I was something within me was changing mm -hmm. and uh, so funny when I hit 30 suddenly my whole inner world changed and I was like so sick of that type of training mm -hmm. and I disliked myself and my life and mm -hmm. And, 30 yeah. hits you like a sledgehammer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I, it? it's I, the weirdest thing. It's super strange. Yeah. I didn't like, and it's think anything everyone. about age. It's almost everyone. Yeah, I'd say like between like you know 28 and 32. Yeah, 100. percent There's it's a this switch. Yeah. Oh, huge yeah. shift, and and I was so confused mm. because I was like, how is it that like a couple of months ago? Yeah my whole being was felt different. Not my, like the core of my being, but like everything in my life. Yeah. Um, so I, I started to, it was impossible to ignore. Mm -hmm. And over time I saw that, okay, I just need to change everything in my life, but I, will, I don't really know how or what to do. But one of the things that I felt was right was to leave, um, you know, the close uh, intimate circle that Ido had mm -hmm. and, um, at the time, he was very supportive, and I left, and I thought, like, yes, now I have freedom. And then came this sheer terror of, like, I don't belong anywhere. I have no one. Yeah. Um, all the Ido Portal students in Australia uh, became kind of hostile and cut me out, which I expected would happen. Mm -hmm. uh, the one overseas were, were more compassionate, and mm -hmm. some I'm still in touch with today. Mm -hmm. But... Um, uh, that was like a, the start of a very awesome journey and very with a very difficult beginning. Mm -hmm. um, but I did connect with Josef and I, I said, maybe now I can see, maybe that time is coming because I remembered this, mm -hmm. this feeling I had that I forgot about. And he said, yes, I'm coming to Australia in a couple of months. Um, you know, I'll be in Brisbane. I was like, oh, great. So I went and... Um, I remember him talking about uh, the work he's done for decades with professional dancers and acrobats and that he said, you know, a lot of them you don't know about this or also people doing yoga, like very mobile, high, very mobile people. Mm -hmm. They're having like a hip replacement surgery mm -hmm. at a young age. Yeah. And then he's like, so they're very, they're not weak, right? Yeah. They're very strong. They're very agile. They're very mobile. They're... They're, they're doing dancing and supplementing their dance with great stretches and still. So it's like range of motion. Not just and like. still. Not just because <laughs> and still. It's worse. It's worse. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a dirty secret in the yoga community. <laughs> so many, the more, the longer you teach, the more fucked you are. In, yeah. I know I'm generalizing, but yes. it really is. Yeah. So we're looking at the teacher at the top of the class. And I'd love to be like them. Yeah. And they're, they are too pain. they're too deep into it to admit i am fucked yeah i, um, I don't know any like older experienced not all, teacher not all yoga is the same i must say but, of course like that yeah. that there, there's a large percentage of it that is like that the asana with the you know really big range of motion yeah. they're all getting injections in their joints yeah. and all kinds of stuff happening yeah. So as an assignment, which I did not do and I will not do because I'm way too squeamish, but uh, Josef said, I want you to go home and find a video of a recorded hip replacement surgery mm -hmm. and then come back. I was like, oh, I don't need to watch it. I fully <laughs> trust you, <laughs> you know, because it's like a butchery. It's not even like um, mm -hmm. delicate surgery, right? It's getting better, it's, but it's uh, <laughs> not that good. Yeah, yeah I, like I couldn't bear. I just imagined it in my head. I was like, no, no, I, I trust you. I've got you. it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got it. I got it. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and it just showed me just like, you know, it would be very comforting if the world was really just black and white. You know, like, oh, you have pain? Do this stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're slouching? Strengthen mm-hmm. this part of your back. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we're prescribed by all the professionals around us mm-hmm. throughout different industries. Yeah. And I had become, you know, some kind of expert in those fields. And I was like, it's not possible. I feel more like shit all the time. And... And my students also, like, I kind of dismissed their injuries, which you may remember. <laughs> and, um, you know, maybe they're not doing it really right or it's they're not done enough of it. But I started yeah, to yeah do more yeah, and yeah, it'll yeah, be yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, like, that was one area. So the more anatomical and longev- physical longevity side of it got me to change mm-hmm. how I practice and how I taught and then another side is also like um, like uh, moral ethical social side yeah. which is well do you want to train to make puppets and train soldiers that obey you mm-hmm. and like who looks really good when your students put their splits online and tag you in it mm-hmm. um, but they may not feel good, yeah. you know. And yeah. then someone maybe is doing like a standing practice and very simple hip rotational mm-hmm. postures uh, that end up being creative and are well aligned. Mm-hmm. And that progress maybe takes them like five years instead of six weeks. Yeah. Like you can't market that. No, you but, can't. but you can go to sleep at night knowing that mm-hmm. you did something nice for yeah. another human being. Yeah. Um, so that really resonated with me and um, something he said, which I now uh, share at all my workshops is uh, to it was to watch Kung Fu Panda mm-hmm. uh, and and from the from the lens of uh, training uh, rehab skill skill acquisition perspective. And it just, um, he made the joke. He's like, you know, yeah, workshops are very expensive. So if you don't have money, just watch Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> and um, like, I, and I'll I. I'll say that I, tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it will mean nothing to anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I started to, like, I got really, because it's got animals, right? And like, I'm all about like animals and food. And I'm like, yes, that's it. Kung Fu Panda has got like some really deep truths in there mm-hmm. um so i'll show like one of the scenes i won't say in case people come to my workshop they can be surprised <laughs> what i show yeah. um but essentially the idea is that uh you don't tell the person what's wrong with them and then this is the abc are gonna fix it and then you report back to me but you observe them in their natural environment and you see where they are um open and flowing and where they are blocked Mm -hmm. and where they are restricted Mm -hmm. and then if you want to be a a real teacher or a real master you give a situation that encourages them you give them something that they want Mm -hmm. and to get that thing that they want their body has to position itself in those ways to get their pain free um so i was like yeah that totally makes sense and and that started the journey um, for me, where I became very interested in working with elderly people mm-hmm. who have become my greatest teachers, mm-hmm. uh, not greater than, you know, the individual teachers like Ido or yeah. Joseph, 
But on a day-to-day that, basis, you oh learn a ton. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I had a, a, in the early few months, as the classes grew, and this is when I moved to Canberra from Sydney, that I had, like, regular official longevity classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, one class has, you know, maybe, like, six, seven people. One is, like, 50-year-old healthy athlete. Someone else is 70 with a new pacemaker. Um, the other one is another age with double hip replacement. Someone else has a fused vertebrae. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and someone else has, um, uh, like, a bipolar Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what do I do? Like, how do I give a cohesive class yeah. that everyone is safe, enjoys, and benefits from, but it also doesn't, like, waste the time of the very capable mm-hmm. person? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And from that, like, these people became my masters. And mm-hmm. they would, you know, like, it was so amazing to just allow uh, whatever previous studies and knowledge I had to come out like cooking ingredients. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I, I can't arrive with a recipe. It's impossible. Yeah. But I go there and I see who's there and I say, okay, well, maybe this dish will suit everyone. And then mm-hmm. I fish from the old bag of, mm-hmm. you know, things, which will include even some of the loaded stretches, but mm-hmm. very few. But generally it will be more um, getting them to help themselves and, uh, to work more holistically because biomechanics is maybe like really crucial just physically, but then what created mm-hmm. rigid movement yeah. or blockage or pain in certain area and you can't uh, ignore, you know, emotions, mm-hmm. um, mental rigidity to life if someone's obsessed with everything being yeah really like maybe some unprocessed trauma caused them to become really meticulous and controlling about every area Mm -hmm. then the body will kind of indicate that on some level but it'll be expressed differently across different people so it just became so interesting like Mm -hmm. these these um people became like almost like a life teachers not just you know physical longevity so that was very interesting um and I guess one more thing I really do want to bring up is uh, about longevity because now um, people who know that I teach longevity think that it's a thing for elderly, mm-hmm. but actually longevity is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a 21 year old uh, rugby player, you want longevity in your sport yeah. and after your sport, yeah. right? Maybe the coaches and therapists, they care about you in your sport because you're making them good money, but mm-hmm. no one cares what happens after mm-hmm. because they just replace you with the new young. Yeah, 100%. Um, I think, especially in, in sport, let's say, like there is a divide between health and performance. Mm. There is, or there can be at least, and... People will talk about that, like there's health on one side, performance on the other. They're not the same thing. And anyone who like works or plays professional sport will understand that because if I have knee pain today and I have a big, the biggest game of my life later on, I'm not going to sit it out. I'm going to play. Mm. So there is, there is, there is a trade off, absolutely. But I think it gets taken too far, and I think people underestimate just how well people can move and perform when they feel good. And mm. underestimate how how poorly, how much feeling like shit all the time will rob you of your ability to actually just 
play your sport or do whatever you want. Yeah. And so there's there's strength and conditioning coaches, for example, who will take uh, all over the world, like they will take an athlete and they will get him to do back squats because it, it, it helps them hit this number and it helps them jump a little bit higher. And I don't mean like they will hammer them with back squats twice a week, three times a week. Yeah. And that that person will just keep saying like my my lower back feels tight all of the time when I go and play my sport I feel like crap mm-hmm. so yes you can the health and performance are closer linked than people think I think and and that's even more obvious example is if you don't sleep well yeah. you're not going to perform well simple yeah. as that nutrition you can kind of get away with definitely when you're younger you can get away with it but I don't see many people getting away with with poor sleep habits so absolutely they're 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 very much linked yeah absolutely and even if you look at like more ancient type of medicine practice and not the conventional you know western nowadays there's functional medicine and it's all like interlinked a little yeah, bit more. yeah yeah there's more openness and um connecting you know old with new and mm-hmm. um but in in modern times it's really unfortunate like I guess the doctor is kind of the the guru of health or supposed to be, right? Yeah. Like you don't go to a doctor unless you're desperate yeah. and you assume that they're there to help you, which of course they are, mm-hmm. but it's really one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. When you sign the, the as a new patient doctor's form, they ask you like uh, some things about your genetics, some things about, you know, they'll check your heart and, and basics. But they don't ask you, you know, like in maybe an ancient Ayurvedic practitioner, he would say, I need to know exactly what your stool looks like Mm -hmm. and why it's that way. What's your tongue like? What are your eyes like? Mm -hmm. What's your relationship with your wife like? How are you sleeping? Where are you sleeping? When are you sleeping? Mm -hmm. Um, And I have been to some doctors that how and it takes you like forever to fill out these forms because they're like, well, if I don't know what your life looks like, how could I possibly treat you you could be eating perfectly sleeping perfectly Mm -hmm. but you have a terrible relationship with your colleague you don't manage your emotions well and you're always sick or your chest has a pain all the time where's that coming from Mm -hmm. so yeah it's just like it's not it's not one-dimensional and maybe that's that opens up a really beautiful space for more collaboration because you can't be great at everything Mm -hmm. right but if you have different professionals and specialists that work together Mm -hmm. then you can create a much more holistic picture and not holistic like a new age thing but in its true sense yeah yeah 100 i think like what you're saying with the elderly people teaching you a lot i think i get that in in the rehab space because everyone comes in and everyone has a, a different issue and it's really cool it's really it's really really cool because if you typically if you go into a physio in the city here i can almost guarantee you if you have knee pain i can almost guarantee you you're going to get a glute clam and (laughs) you're going to get a core exercise and you're going to get a massage in your quads or some kind of manual therapy so it does not matter how you what you say how you present they just saw knee pain and that's what they're going to do do for you and honestly, that is 90% of the physios around the world. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. And it's not to say them exercises might not help. 
Of course they could, because literally anything could help. But there is no actually looking at the person in front of you. Zero. Yeah. It's bananas. Yeah. I just can't understand it. And they make so their shit. <laughs> 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 Unless it's post-op and they can't do anything else. Like, you can yeah. get someone moving a little bit, you know. So, um, what, uh, can you explain a little bit about Fighting Monkey then? What, like, what is it? How do I, how do you explain it to someone? Because people on, listening to the podcast won't have a clue. They yeah. probably will, they will know, maybe have heard of Edo and stuff. Maybe. But Fighting Monkey, yeah. not, not as much. Or at least they might not be able to explain it as well. Yeah. It's easy to explain, like, uh, it's easy to see a handstand. Or, yes, you yes. know. But, so what, what, how would you explain it? Or what are the fundamental, like, principles behind it? Oh, Gosh, that's putting me on the spot because I just finished a mentorship program and mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be able to mm-hmm. to say it. Um, but it doesn't have to be like it just in yeah. your perception at the moment. It doesn't yeah, have to be like course. how Joseph would explain it, yes. you know? Yes. Um, I'd say it's very much focused on um, observation, slowing down and being adaptable mm-hmm. so having uh, an adaptable mind that's attuned with the environment and all the forces within it including social forces and political forces and historical forces and um, there is a lot of physical practice but it's not only that so mm-hmm. um as students, we would need to kind of reflect on like our life path and journey and why things or what significant things created certain impressions within us yeah. and h- how our world today was developed through that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do these models serve us now mm-hmm. or can we improve them? And we use a uh, movement situations to kind of practice this you know are you adaptable the rules are always changing so you get a a task within a game usually with someone else um games are one aspect of it there's also solo stuff Mm -hmm. and then the game changes and the rules change and what's your um emotional response what's your intellectual response Mm -hmm. you know do you just like get pissed and and you know go like it's not fair (laughs) or are you very are you a very creative problem solver? Uh, how do you adapt to life? Because mm-hmm. life is always going to throw curveballs and everyone's going to hopefully turn 30 one day and and again <laughs> have to play that game. So mm-hmm. I don't um, recommend it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wait till the next one. I reckon it'll be worse. Yeah, no. <laughs> for, for example, what you're saying about the observation. When I didn't happen today, but the last day in going into jujitsu, uh like so i'm only beginner i've done like six classes maybe but we were doing something and i found myself thinking like i'm never going to get this Uh. which is completely illogical yeah because anything i've ever practiced like i got better (laughs) at right (laughs) and everyone else too and also i look around the room and every other person i see in the room like who's all who are all better than me because they practice for longer. Mm. Like they had the exact same. Yeah. They were in the same position. Probably had the same thought on some conscious or unconscious or subconscious level. Like that probably thought that thought snuck in somewhere. It's yeah. like, I'm never gonna get this. Yeah. I was like, what? That is the most illogical thought. It's just literally a matter of reps. Yes. And yes. so yeah, I was like, why did that come 
in. I'm yeah. just trying to like just push myself down for some reason, you know. And then there's all uh, there's the other side of jujitsu, which is is like there's a bit of you're you're a bit of an outsider going in. So like I spoke to Chris, our, one of our coaches, who's a black belt. He has his own gym. Yeah. He said it's it's hard for people to start because you come in and you're like wearing this funny suit. Yes. And like they're you're the you're clearly like the white belt. Like they, you don't even know how to tie it's the belt. Visible. I don't. I still don't yeah. know how to tie the belt properly. And like you have to stand in, and maybe people are on the mats. It might be a little bit sweaty. Like there's all these little barriers to it, and. The hardest part, a couple of times at home, I drove to the gym and I was sitting, I was looking forward to it all day. I was sitting in the car and then I was like, oh shit, like now I have to actually go in and mm. ask for the gi again because I didn't have my own one. Like, so <laughs> it was like that barrier was like trying to push me back straight away. And I was like, why am I even just walk in the door and say, can I train? Yeah. You know, yeah, but it was yeah, stopping yeah. me. So it was just. It's like a bit of a rite of passage though, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good, it's a good little, because they have their little community and their way of doing things. But it's uh, you have to step over that to, yes, to do it. Absolutely. But I don't know why that just that thought. <laughs> and I imagine everyone gets that. You're a newbie and you're kind of come in, and something is pushing you away. It's that little bit of resistance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know how it's gonna go or how you know vulnerable you may end up feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. physically, like I'm fine. I could go into jujitsu. Not to say I. Like, I, I couldn't get injured, of course I could, and will at some stage, no, no doubt about it. But, like, physically, I could probably just go in and wrestle with any, most of the guys, obviously, they will all beat me, but, like, I'm not a wimp physically. So yeah. it wasn't the physical. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, my whole life, I've, like, banged into people. Like, so yeah. I'm, not, I'm not afraid to do that. So it's just some weird mental thing. It is. Me. And these are just our, like, habitual patterns mm-hmm. and, and parts of our personality, too. Like, mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a similar kind of paradox. Like I was a professional Thai boxer, but to pick up the phone and call someone is like yeah. so daunting. Yeah. Um, but any other friend on the outside would just be scratching their heads. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, if they don't pick up, I'll be really relieved. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I don't need to deal with that mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. So we just have our like unique quirks and... Yeah. I think when it matters, you make the effort to, yeah. you know, like go through that. And, yeah. and maybe if it doesn't matter, you put your energy somewhere else. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think it, I was just, it was just interesting thinking about that recently. I was just, and it actually made me reflect on like, okay, when a new client is coming to me, even if it's a Zoom call, Zoom is actually easier because they're in their space. So let's say I'm doing an online group. It, it's not an easier session for me necessarily because mm. I can't, feel them and yeah. stuff but like they all they have to do is press a button and they're on and they're in their chair they're at their desk they're at their computer they're a bit safer and i do yeah. feel like that's a safer space for people but even uh even still it's a bit daunting but when they come in have to come into clinic or you think about going into a physio or a doctor's clinic you're even now i i know my gp <laughs> and he's really good but when I go in there I sit down I'm like a school child sitting down talking yeah. to him and I was yeah. like I could probably communicate what my issue is so much easier if we just went for a walk Yeah. and I didn't have to look you in the eye necessarily you know we could kind of we can move and we can flow and I can talk to you rather yeah. than sitting there like either side of a desk and I'm like okay this is what's wrong and he has a list of questions so it's just Yeah. I was thinking about that with clients it's, it must be it's daunting for them to come in 
and some but yeah. something has made them do it so absolutely and you don't know where they're coming from especially when they're new i yeah. i remember i had this one lady uh she booked in for a one-on-one and she she expressed that she you know would like a lot of reassurance and um she had had a lot of traumatic things happen and when she came into the space um and i was then working in praxis which is like a large open space I noticed that that was also a problem yeah. because, and there's glass windows. So like you're seen, it's all open yeah. and you're there with this new professional that you don't know. Yeah. Um, and I noticed that I had, oh, I usually like to stand with my back to the wall near the wall and engage with students. And most classes I do are group. Mm-hmm. So I did that. And that was a, I just from her body language, I could see it was a, real problem so we just i was like do you want to swap around Mm -hmm. and suddenly she was in the corner Mm -hmm. and i was outside and she was like oh there's a safety that like some furniture and wall is yeah i'm not like in the middle and there's some sense of escape also because the door the way the doors were so even like the positioning within the same space changes everything big time so cool to think about Think yeah. about especially think about clients like that or people coming in who are in pain. A lot of therapists will be listening to this. Um, so I, I spoke to our group in Melbourne the other day. Maybe it was at the business event, actually. Mm. And someone asked me a question kind of relevant to this in some ways. But I said that every single thing that we do with our clients, we're trying to be different, not just different for the sake of it, for, but different for the sake of being better. So like they already hopefully know me through Instagram. So they've seen my face. They've heard my voice a lot of yeah. the time, which I can't, you really can't underestimate how important that is. So they're not just knocking on mm. some door with a sign on it. <laughs> um, so they've seen me, they've heard me talking. When they drive into the house, they're probably going to meet Roxy first. Like she's there, they'll get, get to say hello to a dog. I'll be just probably there. Kira might be there. I'll be probably drinking a coffee or something like that. It's way more relaxed. Yeah. Actually, funnily enough, when they come in, I will usually sit on the like the physio table and I'll leave them stand up. It's, a, it's an open space in the gym. Yeah. I'm not like getting them to sit down in the corner and standing over them. They are, yeah. I'm sitting down and they are, have a little bit of freedom to kind of move and tell me about it. Uh, now, obviously, I'll get them to sit down if, if they need to. Yeah. But I'm trying to be different for like in every way. And so the question was from someone, so we were talking about that and I said, if you have a physio clinic uh, or a coaching gym, I recommend, so a new client, let's say books in, I recommend having, uh, they get a video straight away, email to them, ah, yeah. which is like, hello, I'm David, I'm going to be your coach, whatever. Here's where you come in. You might meet a receptionist. This is Mary. She's going to come in. You can maybe sit here for a few minutes and then she's going to bring you into the clinic and blah, blah, blah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like that would make yeah. you feel so much more comfortable entering yeah. into the space. So I think little tricks like that yeah, make that, pe- people feel more comfortable. Yeah, and that's showing like a empathy, mm-hmm. right? Like they they, and giving them a sense of what to predict because mm. we get stressed when things are unpredictable. Exactly. Or or we doubt our predictive models exactly. that we will act in the right way if if something unforeseen comes. Exactly. Yeah. So good, so good. Um, so fighting monkey, right? When I think of fighting monkey, this is what I would see in my mind. I would see like flows, coordinations where we're moving, like every joint is moving, you're moving mm. in different ways. Uh, it's almost like a dance, but yeah, it is almost like a dance, but like with sometimes specific constraints on it. Um, I would see like drills in my mind, like where I'm 
doing the Jenga blocks with my feet and having to move my feet and organize and build things in that way. Um, I would see, like I think of like their athletic legs program where it's yes. like the squats and kind of movements in all different directions, not just kind of up and down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would see I would see things like that, and I didn't re- necessarily know that the the practice also involved, we'll say, some kind of the the mind side of it as well. Yeah, which yeah, I yeah. do quite like because uh, especially in the Taoist practice, I remember Serge, one of my teachers before, spoke about like there is any practice that doesn't have the mind. Uh, I don't want to butcher it now, but it was like spirit, the, spirit breath, and body, like the connection yeah. with the world yeah. and the body and the breath was is incomplete. Mm. And I, I actually resonate. I still think about that a lot. Yeah, it 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 resonates. And um, I haven't met Serge or studied with him, but I've done some stuff with Craig, who mm-hmm. who is a common friend and Serge's uh, disciple. And um, the the way things are expressed and practiced are very different, but I feel that they're very much in agreement and resonate yeah. for sure. And yeah, and Fighting Monkey, um, you know, it's taking into account the background also of the teachers like Josef and Linda. So there is some background in gymnastics, but they discarded that because they felt it does more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Linda used to be a professional gymnast ah. in her youth, yeah. But then they kept the dance, um, voice, theater side of things mm-hmm. because to express fully as a human is very important, um, not just do movements that, you know, give you a sense of progress, but um, to inquire and discover how do you express yourself as yourself. So, like... Like when you ask me, you know, oh, what what are you looking forward to? Or do you want to do in the workshop? I'm like, I want to see how David is doing his thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, one thing Joseph will often say is like, how uh, do I sound as me? And yeah. a lot of people don't even know that. So mm-hmm. like working, you have the, the expression of the body, the expression of the voice. Um, and what you're doing in your life is your... Uh, job or what your hobby aligned with you know a sense of meaning and some a love for something yeah. or you know is it not if not why yeah. um and then a lot of the things will really resonate with the Taoist practices or even things that you share in your videos on your programs mm-hmm. which is like the whole animal needs to move you can't just isolate mm-hmm. one section um, whether you're dealing with a problem problem or a skill or a movement pattern. Mm-hmm. So how do you get all the joints to collaborate together yeah. uh, as, as an accordion or as a, like, like a, a cheetah when it sprints? It doesn't just do spinal waves against the wall for five, with a five-minute timer. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing harmoniously communicating. Yeah. Um, and then when, when you have an injury, a pain, a, a stiffness, then there's a breakdown in communication somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. And um, an example Joseph will give is that you have like a um, classroom with school kids and one of the kids is problematic. It's not effective to take them out or punish them, but maybe you give them a job to do and ask the good ones to help integrate them. So yeah. then they can collaborate and communicate 
and that one has a purpose, mm-hmm. right? Or even for uh, elderly people, um, and that's just an example because they tend to be marginalized in the world that we mm-hmm. live in. Uh, you know, there's so much talk about equality and inclusivity, but for elderly folk, they're just you know put aside. They they don't have uh, they don't contribute to society, or at least that's the perception. Yeah. And they're not really encouraged to because yeah. we glorify technology and whatever is that's yeah. it's a different era now. It's like their job is done yeah. and now is the time to just kind of look after them a little bit, leave them live out their life comfortably and be happy yeah. with that. Yeah. And that's essentially like uh, sentencing someone to to a slow death, yeah. because if you have no purpose, yeah. what are you living for? Yeah. So something um, that's worse that than retirement. It's worse. So, yeah. So a lot of people like live in a, a job they think they hate, and maybe they do for <laughs> a long time. But then when they retire, they like they work their whole <laughs> life to be free, yeah. and now they just end up depressed. Yeah. Because there's nothing even that 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 even job they hate, they don't even have to get up in the morning to go and do that. Yeah. So it's a yeah. dangerous place to be. Absolutely. It happens to young people too. It does, or like, or even in in a movement class with young adults, you know, someone is uh, psychologically not coping well that day. You don't know why. It doesn't mm-hmm. really matter. It's none of like my business, but people like mostly are uh, by nature like have reasonably good hearts and like to help. Yep. So. I found quite effective to just go to the person and ask them for a favor yeah. or ask them to help someone else. And suddenly there's like a life coming out of mm, them. Again. I love that. You know, it's uh, not, uh, oh, well, you're doing this really badly. You should do more reps. But like, oh, hey, can you just actually I can't do this. Can yeah. you like, yeah. you know, do it like with me or for me mm-hmm. or I don't have a partner. Can you please be my partner? And they're like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. you know, she's not feeling sorry for me. She needs me to do something. Mm-hmm. And that switches. Then they have uh, inspiration mm-hmm. to to take action and change their state. Yeah. Um, I really like that. That's mm. really good. That's really good. I realized something like that many years ago. So at some stage in my teens, I made it some weird decision to like, okay, I don't need anyone for anything. I'm going to be like super <laughs> self super independent. And even so much as like I go to someone's house and they'd offer me a cup of tea. And I'd keep saying, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I don't want it. Just that, that type of stuff. Do you want to lift to wherever? No, I'm fine. And I actually realized, like, the way to get people to connect with you is take the cup of tea. Like, they've done something for you. They feel good. They feel good, yeah. So yeah. I was like, I don't want to I don't want to put anyone out. I don't want anyone to depend on, or to, I don't need to need anything from them. But it's actually robbing them of Absolutely. doing something from me. So, yeah, that's really, that's really, yeah. but I, I don't know if I thought about it that much in that kind of way with, with to do with clients. So I need to think about that more. Yeah. Or, or even, yeah, like them having a purpose or helping is one way or what do they want? You know, someone's like, oh, I got like, I feel like I got frozen shoulder and none of your stuff is going to, in fact, David hurt me even more by making me do those stupid exercises. <laughs> And then you're like, well, what's your favorite drink? And they're like, oh, I love whiskey. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, can you just fetch it there? And suddenly, no problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. And then you point it out to them. Oh, look at your shoulder just Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really good. I love that. That's uh, the Kung Fu Panda stuff. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Kung Fu Panda loved food. Yeah. Right. And he was untrainable. He was like fat and lazy and yeah. clumsy. But the teacher was like, oh. But if I give him food, <laughs> that, like, oh no, if he has to, like, 
uh, attain the food mm-hmm. somehow, and the food is in very awkward places, mm-hmm. then the training does itself. Yeah. And then the beautiful part is that the student is paving and discovering and paving their own journey to success mm-hmm. rather than following the model and submitting yeah. to a, a human teacher giving protocols. Yeah. And that's like, um, and that gives the teacher the joy, you know, to say like, oh, I just help to hold space for this to happen, mm-hmm. but I don't own you. And, yeah. and then there's like a genuine open love, not, uh, you know, constrictive mm-hmm. feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Yeah. So a con- like you're, you're tight or you're in pain in that context, not in every context necessarily, which people can't see that a lot of the time, especially when they're in pain, yeah. they're, they're consumed by it. Yeah. Yeah. So you see me in the workshop on Sunday when we start to do our plyometrics, we reintroduce those. I have a video of a guy who, uh, or start to talk about patterns in our plyometrics. And pe- some people will trash patterns a little bit, which is like, oh, you've, you have a learn, you have a pattern that you need to learn. So like once they learn the pattern, it's just, it's just, oh, you have a set pattern and that's not, that doesn't sport, that doesn't replicate sport, let's say, because there is no set pattern. But, I think introducing a pattern can be amazing. And I have a guy, for example, who he had a foot issue and he was, when we start to introduce speed of movement, we don't want to be in our head. We want, we want to let our body, our distal tissues manage the forces coming in and share the load and stuff like that. So early in the rehab process, we might isolate a joint. We might be just more, more isolated. We might be thinking about like a muscle, muscular contraction, something like that. As we progress, as speed of movement progresses in particular, it can't be a top-down thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And people mm-hmm. in pain mm-hmm. want to manage everything from a top-down. Yes. So, um, so yeah, for the, the, the guy, for example, he couldn't do, in, in the plyometric like um, progression, he couldn't do some of the lower things on the progression, but there's like things in the middle, which ah. technically, like he hasn't worked towards yet, but I just threw him into and they were patterns yes because it was like uh, left left right right it was like duh, 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 and he has to go over and back yeah and no pain whatsoever yeah and like so the patterns are great for people who can't get out of their own head yeah it just it just because yeah, yeah. you can't focus on what my foot is doing and the skill of the pattern at the same time yeah so it's really yeah, like uh, i see the fight that fighting monkey stuff that, as well that and that really links with what you're doing so the coordination patterns that look quite dancey and they do have a lot of dance element in mm. it um they can be used for rehabilitation or even diagnosis for athletes right they say oh, i have this pain in my hip or my ankle and then you distract them there's no way they can be in their head like yeah. in their head about the injury yeah if they're fumbling clumsily to get the coordination and then they start to let go and move with it. And if you can take a video of them distracted by some irrelevant task, Mm -hmm. then you can start to see like, oh, that's how their foot's landing. That's how, um, rather than say like, do this movement that you know really well and they can think about it, you give them something they have no idea how to do. And and then another aspect is uh, that's really been so nourishing for me and it's not only been from fighting monkey i now have like different teachers or inspirations but fighting monkey is like a central one mm-hmm. um it's just this idea of take your time you know and because nothing no lasting transformation is instant it, it can happen but it's very rare mm-hmm. so like if you have um 
take your time and don't be greedy. They're, they're two like almost like mottos. So you have like a, you're a skilled person and you have an injury. And when you do a movement that you was easy for you before the injury and it hurts, you say, I can't do that movement mm -hmm. at all. But if you do maybe like 25% the size or speed or range of that movement or less or more, then you start to find the areas that you're okay. Yeah. And then you work very patiently, not I want it yesterday, yeah. but like, you know, well, yeah, you could do 100% three days ago, but now you can only do 15. Yeah. But you can do 15, which means you can do the movement. Yeah. And then you take your time and you're not greedy, not I want the splits mm -hmm. in six weeks like Johnny has. And uh, it's just that I think makes, that brings longevity mm -hmm. again to mm -hmm. your practice, to your life. Yeah. And there's less of this anxiousness, you yeah. know, I, I need to have it now. And yeah, that's re-educating like on a, on a, on a, neuroanatomy level that is re-educating people's max voluntary contraction and what is happening so like if you do a certain movement particularly people in pain or people who are struggling they have two levels they have zero and a hundred they just mm, go to yeah. hundred and yes. often it's not even a necessarily a conscious squeeze it's just like the muscle is protective so for example with knee pain you'll see a lot of inhibition in the quads so the quads start to kind of People think about they will atrophy, so you will actually lose muscle. I still have a loss of muscle in my right quad from that knee uh -huh. issue. So they will atrophy, and there's inhibition there. But people think inhibition means that it can't turn on. Mm. A lot of the time, it can't turn off. So, okay. yeah, it's, it's actually the opposite. It won't let go. And if you're a brain, why would you want a muscle to just shut off completely if that joint is very sore a lot of the time? You yeah. wouldn't. You're going to yeah. keep it on all the time. And actually, it can't kind of modulate from zero to 10 to 20 to all the way up. Yeah. So it goes like on or completely off. And it's so doing its job. It's doing its right. job. Exactly. It's it's yeah. trying to be protective. But yeah. the, that's a short term fix. That's kind of a short term fix, which is awesome. I just brain. I just hurt my knee. I just fell over. Like I'm going to I'm going to cause this br brace around the knee joint. Yeah. But now, six months or six years later, I'm still not really bending my knee at all. So, of course, the muscle isn't getting lengthened, stimulated. Yeah. So that's that's what starts to happen. So it's a paradox of <laughs> how do I actually re-educate this? And exactly exactly what you're saying, that 25% of range or speed or um, contraction even, that's re-educating it. Because yeah. people in pain only have access to 100 or 0. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And there's, it's like a world of pain in between. And a lot of them all only think I only have access to like that movement caused me pain. It's like exactly <laughs> when in the movement does it cause you pain? Because there's you've so much world that you can explore before the painful point. Yeah. But they just keep ramming their head into pain, which yeah, means that absolutely. comes back towards them. Absolutely. And even the ambiguity of pain, you know, p like people will say, like, I have my back hurts or I have a lower back pain but yeah. it's like but when and where and how and how much and yeah. like and and most cannot and they have no idea no. it's just a blob it's a blob yeah. yeah yeah so you have them coloring that map and eventually it's like oh actually I don't have pain anymore yeah which is pretty cool or maybe yeah. I have it a little bit but maybe I just kind of avoid that movement and I'm fine 
Mm. Or maybe I nudge into that movement a little bit or whatever. But it opens up their world. Yeah. Mm. Simon Thakur is really brilliant with this stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he wrote to me the other day on my on my Instagram, or he commented yeah. on one of my posts, and it was like a, a very complimentary comment. Mm. And I genuinely, I wrote, I commented back to him, and I said like that really means a lot because I know how skilled he is. Yeah, he's yeah, a really yeah, smart yeah. guy. Yeah, really smart. So I was like, yeah, that's I knew I was doing a good like a good job. Um, yes, because sometimes some of my stuff might look a bit like isolated or whatever but it's all working towards yes something you know so i was happy that he appreciated that yeah very smart and you really do provide this kind of base and foundation that is ignored and missing Mm. all over and without that you can't like get see I'm, i'm really interested to see what you think of like the gate lecture and some yeah. of it will go over your head a little bit and everyone's head. I said that yeah. to people last weekend. It's like, okay, we're trying to map out the gate cycle here. And there's people, great people doing it but around the world. But I think like this model of gate, some people will have it applied to walking gate, running, different things. And I think this model is like applicable to gate full stop. No uh-huh. matter locomotion, uh-huh. this is uh-huh. how we move through the world. Yeah, um, yeah. And it will apply, hopefully, to, like, this is how we jump. This is how we run. Yeah. This is how we push through our hand in a handstand. This yes. is why we do it. Beautiful. Yeah. So this is what Joseph would call, um, you know, is your model or your principle or your practice or your philosophy universally valid? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's definitely a fighting monkey thing that's shifted my perception and attitude to yeah. things. It's like, oh... And that's where it becomes like so easy to say, well, no, splits are not universally valid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chin-ups are not universally valid. But what is? And then finding like your own craft. And the thing is that when you're working with a principle, principles are universally valid, but not how they're expressed or done or you Mm -hmm. have many languages, many uh, flavors for Mm -hmm. sure. And thank God for that. Or we'd be robots and not you know creative living beings yeah first principles yeah um okay awesome um that was like one of my perfect days because i woke up i got a coffee with kira (laughs) got breakfast with kira alice and my sister and one of our friends i in bondi in bondi i went to jujitsu got my ass beat for a little (laughs) while (laughs) of several different people um went back had a swim in bondi had lunch and a side bowl and then came in here. Super. So thank you very Super. much for joining us. Thank or you me, so I much. Say. Um what's what's coming next? Next mm. is um I'm on the move again mm-hmm. and I will be uh living and teaching in Tasmania. Nice. So um I think by the time this is out it'll be known. So I'll be at Totem, which is a movement facility. Yeah. And starting a new life there awesome yeah I'm excited for you yeah thank you um and if you people would like to follow or check you out or have a look at your work where should they go um i have instagram i have a website that may change but it's um soishi human patterns.net and instagram is soishi i think it's underscore and then human patterns we'll put the links in anyway yeah yeah awesome are you doing any online stuff at the moment or no no, I I will be in mm. the foreseeable future, but not right okay. now. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. 
Thanks so Thank much. You. Good job. <laughs> hey guys, Coach Chris back again. Really hope you enjoyed that podcast. I am letting you guys know that we have three workshops coming up soon. One in Tyrone on the 4th and 5th of March. Very limited tickets left for that. So if you're in the area and you're interested, please get on board ASAP. We've got one in London on the 1st and 2nd of April and Dublin, my hometown, the 13th and 14th of May. Get involved with these things. I've been to a couple of these myself and these are some of the best education days I've had uh, in my coaching career and so much of what I use on the platform um, and what I use with my clients has come from these workshops. So I really encourage you guys to get on board if you haven't joined us yet. And there's rumors that Coach Chris might be making appearances at one, two, perhaps even three. We'll see how far the budget stretches uh, of these workshops. So I would love to meet some of you guys there also. Hey, see you guys in the next pod.